from the Kramer Basketball Headquarters in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You are listening to the Coach's Edge Podcast, powered by Coach. Here is your host, Steve Kramer. I'd like to give a warm Coach's Edge welcome to head varsity girls basketball coach, Carver's Bay High School. Logan Kingsbury, he's a Coach's Edge member, gotten to know him over this past year, moving down from the Midwest to South Carolina. And Coach, first year, you guys win your region, you make it all the way to the Elite Eight, the state quarterfinals with the Carver's Bay Girls Basketball Program. I mean, uh, you played top-notch, high-level competition. You, you had a schedule full of much bigger schools, which you know you can talk about a little bit, and I think how that has you know, help toughen you guys up with the schedule that you guys play. So first and foremost, thanks for taking the time to be on the Coach's Edge podcast. And then tell us a little bit about your background and kind of what led you down to South Carolina to become a, a teacher and a basketball coach. Well, uh, thanks for having me on, Steve. Um, we don't get to talk as much during the season. So we'll talk. We'll be talking more now. Yeah, yeah, we can talk more now. Get too busy <laughs> in the season. But um like he said, I moved, I moved from uh, the Midwest. I moved from Nebraska. That's where I'm from. Um, kind of a big basketball family. My brother plays at the University of Iowa. My dad played at the University of Iowa. Uh, my dad played pro for a little bit, semi-pro, and a little bit in the league. Um, so big basketball family. They're all taller than me, so that's that's why I'm not playing. <laughs> They're all 6'5". Somebody had to go into coaching. That's right. Uh, I'm smarter than they are, so that's, <laughs> that's right. Um, but so we kind—I kind of grew up in a basketball family. Uh, we won a couple state championships when I was in high school, and when I got into college, I was kind of thinking I wanted to keep with basketball. So got into teaching and coaching. Was an assistant for a few boys' teams. Uh, my old high school Ponca, who where I got to coach under. My head coach is Adam Plask. He's very, very good. So I really lucked out, kind of coaching under him. And then I went to a few a bigger school and I was an assistant there for a year. So that kind of helped me get ready. And then I wanted, I knew I wanted to move. Uh, I didn't know where. I kind of applied all over the country and interviewed at Carver's Bay. They called me right back, wanted me to be the head coach and wanted me to fly down. So I had an interview on Friday. They called me back on Sunday and I flew down there Thursday and went and met with Mez and my principal and ADs and everything. So, and I liked it, met the girls and I was sold right when I got there. When I met the kids, I was pretty much sold. I'd signed the contract. Only took like a week basically from one end all the way out to to the other. And you mentioned coach Mez, who's also part of coach's edge. You know, we get the chance to work with some of your players, some of his players, and uh, he's the varsity boys coach over there. Awesome guy. Um, So if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? Because our listeners need to know a little background here. I am 23, almost 24. So as he's listing out some of these experiences, I'm like, you're doing this, you're going to college, you're thinking like down the road, right? Where, you know, when, I, when I'm 22, 21, I'm thinking, how am I going to get my next meal? Like, where am I going? Am I going to eat on campus? Am I going out to eat? Right. And you're thinking, I want to get, uh, you know, out of Nebraska, and try something new. I want, I want to go to a new part of the country. Why did you like, why, why did you have this drive, especially at a young age? Like, you know, what? I want to go 
anywhere in the country and be a basketball coach and teach. And that's going to be awesome. Um, I've always kind of been like that a little bit. I always want to do kind of different things. I'm from a small town of a thousand people and I love it. I love going home. I love everything about it, but uh, I just kind of want to be, you know, I could have went back home or in that area. There's a mm -hmm. city, Iowa has like five high schools, bigger high schools where I, I could have got maybe some assistant jobs and whatnot. Um, but I don't know. I just, I kind of want to go do my own thing, I guess, you know, I could stay in Nebraska and Iowa and kind of go off the name a little bit. You know, I kind of want to go do my own thing where nobody knows me kind of start and see how it worked out. I didn't really care where, honestly, I just want to go somewhere, somewhere else, you know, just try it out. And it kind of really worked out. I mean, head coaching job too. I mean, that was, I was like, well, I'm going to, going to try it. I, that's what I wanted. So mm -hmm. I was surprised I got it, you know, this early, honestly, yeah. but it just, it just stars align kind of. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're beyond your years. And I think you did an awesome job because you knew what you wanted at an early age. You were setting yourself up for an opportunity to be a varsity basketball coach at a younger age than most would be just because, I mean, you're already an assistant high school coach while you're in college. And I just think most high school, high school and college students aren't, they're not at that point, right? They're like, Hey, you know, someday I can see that happening and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But just to point out, like you had a vision, I can see like very, very much of a, a disciplined mindset, which is is pretty awesome. Tell us a little bit about how this past season went for our listeners, especially anyone that is thinking about becoming a high school basketball coach or maybe they're real young in their coaching career. What were some of the surprises or some of the things that you didn't quite expect? <laughs> uh, we had a we had a good year. Uh, we were 21 and seven, went eight and in region. And like you said, made the elite eight and lost in overtime to probably the second best team in the state. I mean, they played military magnet, the champion tougher than anybody. So, I mean, we had a good year, a uh, shaky start. I mean, we were like right around 500. We were like three and three or, you know, something like that early in the year. Like you said, we played a tough schedule. We scheduled it that way. Uh, that was something that Mez, Coach Mez was big on too when I got there. He said, you know, you can play a tough schedule because really you just need region to get to playoffs versus like in Nebraska, there's all this wild card points and everything else where it kind of just, it makes you, if you're a smaller school, it's harder to play the big schools because they don't want to play you because of power points and wild card points. Here, there's none of that, you know. So before region play, they will play you. So we played – four A's, five A's, and we're a little one A. So that helped. Now we took some, we took some blows early on. I mean, we got, we got beat pretty good early, but I mean, towards the end of the year, you know, Steve, you came to the Sockesty game. We beat a five A late in the year. We beat a few four A's, a few three A's. Um, you know, we had, we had a pretty good season as it went on, but it did take, it definitely took some time. There's some growing pains, you know, and as a first year coach, you're kind of sitting there early in the year, like, Am I doing everything right? Like, because we struggled. We struggled bad, but it's kind of you got to trust the process. You know, everything you tell your kids, you got to believe it too. I mean, you know, so trust the process. And as time went on, they got better and better and better. You mentioned some of the coaches and, and programs that you were an assistant for. Tell us a little bit about those experiences and how those experiences and what those coaches help prepare you for being a first year head coach in a new state with a program where you're coming in and you don't know anybody. Well, I lean, 
I'd still lean heavy on my high school coach, coach Pulaski's. I mean, he's elite. Like he's at, a, he's at his alumni. He's at Ponca and he'll probably be there till he retires. Cause you know, that's where he's from. Um, he's still doing a great job, but I lean on him really heavy. I mean, he, he, it was an established program when I was, so it was already, the program's already established when I got there, but it was coming off of four straight years of elite eight or better. So, and the talent, I mean, was young. They were super young. Like it graduated all of my teammates and stuff. And so it was a young team. And just to see a guy who just won two state championships back to back and got a third, was a third place team and blah, blah, blah. To see how much work he put in behind the scenes for a team. I mean, you know, like he already proved himself. He already won state twice and all that, but the amount of hours and calls and texts and staying late and just how hard he works kind of showed you like, okay, this dude, like you knew it when you played for him, but you more so just loved him. Then you get to see behind the scenes. It's like this dude's putting in hours and hours and hours. And that's why you're good though. I mean, mm-hmm. but you have to see it because when I went, I won't say the name of the school. When I went to the the big school I went to, I was so excited because I'm like, I'm going to get to work with a huge school. It'd be like a five A here. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. They're, I know they have a lot of talent because the record, it was so disorganized and all, and it drove me insane. There was one assistant that I leaned on a lot, and he was really good. He was an old head coach, but kind of got out of it, and he was great. But like, it drove me nuts how unorganized everything was, mm-hmm. and they always got beat early in the playoffs, mm-hmm. always. And I was yeah. like, that's why, because they were loaded with talent, but it was just so unorganized, and I kind of got to see. So you mentioned with Coach Plasky, there's the effort and there's the time involved. You add those two things together and some really good things can happen. As you know, you got right state championship level success. And I think that's a thing that a lot of players don't understand. Like you'll you'll see kids and, and let's say they are hard worker. They'll come in, they'll work hard and be like, all right, I'm good. I'm supposed to be a great player, right? And it's like, no, you have to do that again. And again, and again, and again, because the compound effect of putting in the time is what helps separate you, right? Like working hard is is just the the basement. That's the expectation, right? If you don't work hard, you don't get in anyway, right? So if, if working hard gets you in the doors, the compound effect of consistently putting in more time than other people. So, you know, like, like your coach, if he's put in three times more time than the next coach in the next city, right? So after three years, he's got essentially nine years of coaching experience compared to that coach's three, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you just, and so at, at that point, you can't catch up anymore, right? So like as a player, if, if I'm working out 12, 15 times a week during the summer and you're working your tail off, but you're only doing five, but I'm doing that for years and years and years, if you try to turn it on at a later date, it's too late. You're not going to catch up. I just got too many years and time involved. And that's just something that I see you're already doing at an early age. So, you know, 10, 20, 30 years down the road, you start to imagine how much you're going to have kind of in, in your bag, in your pocket because of the work that you're putting in. And it's kind of asking yourself, if I keep doing what I'm doing now, Am I going to get better? Am I going to improve as a coach? Am I going to improve? And am I going in the right direction? Success is not a straight line, but if I'm moving in the right direction and I keep doing that, good things are going to happen. You grew up in a basketball family, right? You guys love, love basketball. 
not many people have a parent who's played in the NBA, right? Brother who plays in the Big Ten, family uh, that loves the game. Tell us a little bit about their impact and how some of those experiences of, of that kind of family have helped you as a coach today. Well, I mean, I I probably call my dad and brother like three, four times a week. If not in the season, it was probably more actually like, I mean, cause we, and we just talk cause they, they know, I mean, my dad raised us. We played on the same team. He coached us all through till like junior high middle school. So he kind of taught us the game. Like we didn't have, like, we didn't have a book. We would, we'd only keep files in our books all through middle up through elementary, through middle school. Cause it wasn't about, he didn't want us to know about, he didn't want us to ask nobody cool. to ask about points, rebounds, assists. He'd tell us you, you did this really well or whatever, but like mm-hmm. he, he would never have any of his players ask him about Stats, how yeah. many points I had. Cause it don't matter. And that, that team is who would end up, ended up winning two state championships. I mean, it was that group and we all had the same attitude. Like there was never a care about scoring or anything like that. Like, I mean, my scoring went down. I was averaging like 20 my freshman sophomore year and it went down, but my assists went up. My turnovers went down. It was better for the, we won. I mean, mm-hmm. but that is probably like that attitude. And that's, what's so hard coaching is you're trying to teach them mm-hmm. to have the attitude you know, where I was taught it when I was in fourth grade or third grade, you know, that you have to teach it now. Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter how many points you have. It doesn't matter. It's at the end of the day, what can you do to win? Some nights you're going to have 20, some nights you're going to have five, but your attitude should always be winning. So that's kind of what my dad was so big on, which is funny because people always thought like, well, he's a D1 basketball player. McDonald's All-American, you know, he probably is always on you about points all the time in high school be like your dad on you about points a lot i'm like he has never at said one thing <laughs> to me about points after a game never once and he never will because he he really doesn't care i mm-hmm. mean that's just and that's just how he it's how he always was and you know so me and my brother are kind of the same in that way mm-hmm. um super cool i mean the one i think it's great for those that are listening and their parents because i think we could use more of that where, you know, if you're pushing your, your child to you know, get a certain amount of stats and, and things like that. I mean, did you work hard? Did you have fun? Did you listen? Were you a good teammate? Like th- those are some things to, you know, maybe ask right after a practice or, or something like that, or after, after a game, right. Especially at the youth level, man, I want my daughters in second grade. Like the, the question that I ask her every time is, did you have fun? Did you have a good time? I want that answer to be yes every single time. And, it, and if it wasn't, then I want to know, like, what what about it, you know, wasn't fun? Because maybe there was just something that I I didn't do very well as a coach that could make the environment and the experience better for our athletes. Obviously, we know as you continue to play, it's not always sunshine and rainbows. But I think that's awesome because the things that were instilled in you as a young athlete carry over into the results and the success that we actually do want which is winning down the road, right? Um, can you talk more about that? Like, how do you go about implementing that mindset when you're brand new, these girls you're coaching, they, you know, they wouldn't know you beforehand if you're walking down the street, right? And now you're coming in and you're, you're just preaching like, this is we, this is us. This is about the team, right? How do you do that? Nonstop. I mean, it's gotta be all the time. 
um, from the second I got here. I mean, you know, they get they get on me sometimes about repeating stuff all the time, but it's it's in their head now. Like, I mean, and it's still and we still have room to grow. I mean, that's what I told them at our postseason meeting is we have a lot of room to grow. But from when we got here in May to now, they've really came a long way with just I mean, just getting along better, just like fight fighting when things go wrong staying together like all those things but it's it comes from like you're on them it's got to be all the time like mm -hmm. i'm constantly saying like it's it's all about we over me like it it doesn't matter if things go wrong it, if you don't stay together it's going to crumble like but you have to constantly remind them at practice all the time because if you don't and you let stuff slide you let them bicker with each other you let that go then over time it's it's gonna pop in a bad way you know we we talk i mean it's it's a lot about i mean like i use i steal the the john calipari uh, refuse to lose we i say we i say that a hundred times <laughs> a day like but it's a it's a mindset like it that's what i'm trying and the the playoffs they really did like it was finally what i was looking for the whole season like it was a non-stop did not quit the whole time like that's that's what I wanted and as the season went on it got better but they finally I told them that's finally what we're looking for like it was non-stop even the game we lost I was like they they refused to go away they kept they got down 11 and tied it and then they got down six in overtime and tied it like there was a there was more of a fight and I told them it's a choice that's what a lot of people don't understand I, I told them I said as hard as they can the whole time I was like not 99% of the time you guys will win just because of the talent we have on this team, you know, all the different pieces we have, if they do that and don't quit, we'll win. But it's a, it's a choice that they make and you kind of got to put it on them. Like I, I told them towards the end of the year, it's not me anymore. Like it's going to have to be your decision in the playoffs. And they really did buy in by the end of they played really hard what i wanted what i envisioned yeah. when i got here is is finally what i was looking for towards the end of the year which is exciting that's what you want is play your best basketball at the end of the year you can sleep a lot better um throughout the <laughs> the next season comes up knowing that it's those five players and then you got the ones on the bench and if everybody can be with the same mind as far as looking at out on the court looking at their position what they can do their strengths and their weaknesses and say Based on those things, what's the best decision for me to make given the situation that's going to put the team in the best chance to succeed? And if each player, the domino effect, makes those decisions, what's the best decision for me to make for us? What's the best decision for me to make right now for us? Really, really good things can happen. And I mean, I, I saw you guys play maybe four different times this year. You guys play defense like most teams do not play defense. There's a urgency. There's a, a, a toughness, like a, a, a ferro. It's like, it's, it's, we're getting at you. Like we are attacking you. Most teams do not play defense the way that you guys do. Tell us about that. Well, let me tell you, there was a revolt when I got here because they did not want to play man to man. Okay. Nobody did. Okay. And that's one of my biggest things is, you have to be able to play man to man and not man to man. Like everybody denies and doesn't see the ball. Like that drives, that drives me insane. Now there's a time for that, but very rarely, like I want, 
man to man, you know, your gaps, you know, help side, you know, all that, like, and we still have room to grow, but like you said, nobody does it. I mean, like that's what back, back in Nebraska, everybody does. I mean, over half the teams do that. Okay. But that, down here is a lot more zone, a lot more trapping, a lot more that. And it's like, that's all good, but a good team can beat it, which we showed as the season went on, we were beating those teams and we would sit and man to man. And in the summer, they hated me. The girls did not like it. They, cause teams were killing us. Cause we didn't know where we were supposed to be. There was no help side. There was no help. There was nothing. But as the season went on, especially down the road, like versus the 5A schools at the end of the year and versus in playoffs and region, they finally saw like teams will melt because they can't, it's nonstop pressure, but you're also playing team defense. So there's help and it, it frustrates teams because they don't see it down here. And it's just hard to play against regardless, regardless of where you are in the United States, it's hard to play against if it's ran right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they kind of started to like it as the season went on, because they're like, nobody knows what to do. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. You remind me a little bit of, you know, watching the boys team play with Co- Coach Menace, right? Of just the the opposing team being very uncomfortable every time that they were on offense. And if the offensive team is uncomfortable with the ball, you have a much better chance to win the game, even if you're not the most efficient team on, on the offensive end. I know you guys, a lot of bright spots, as you mentioned, still room to grow. But if you can hang your hat on the defensive end and just pushing teams around, being physical, active hands, active feet, loud, rotating, uh, that was really good to see you guys come together throughout the course of the year. You mentioned some of the differences, right, which we've had some conversations about in the past of, you know, we're both Midwest guys, both down here and kind of the southern east coast of uh, South Carolina. What were some of the main things that stood out to you Basketball that you're familiar with in the Midwest, Nebraska, you got family that has played for, for Iowa right there. I'm from Michigan. I've, I've lived in Ohio. I've lived in Indiana before I came down here. You know, what were some of those big takeaways? Well, for starters, I mean, the, the defense thing. I mean, like man-to-man is a lot more uh, prevalent or ran in Nebraska, like act, like sit like half-court man. Now, full-court man, the, a lot of teams do do down here. But like the half court sit in it and just stop them, like which is what we did versus Lakeview in the elite the lead eight game. I mean, we basically would we sat and have and they struggled. I mean, that kept us in the game because a lot of teams don't do that because it's pressure, but it's half it's half court, so it's it's a little different. But uh, that's one thing. But the offensive end is probably the biggest. For example, like my high, my high school team was very good, so we had a lot more plays because we were we were better. But even so, we probably had like 30 either motions or sets in our offense that he could call at any time. Now, when I coached with it, when I coached with him, that team was a little younger. We probably had 15 by the end of the year. My girls had around 10, which was really good. By the end of the year, I could call, they could, they would set up, stop, and run stuff, and you can score really easily. But I've noticed down there's just not as much of that, which makes it easy. For us, which is what I've taught the girls, is a lot of teams didn't know what to do versus our man-to-man, and they didn't have any, they didn't have anything to go to, you know. And that's what I've taught our girls are really, and they're really buying in is simple's good, but you got to have counter punches to everything. So like that's why we put in early in the year they would complain whenever I'd put a new play in. But as the season went on, they wanted more plays. 
they wanted to do more because they they understood like if they stop this then we'll do that okay? and i don't think there's as much of that here the, the last thing is shooting there's not an emphasis like my girls were shocked how much we shot every week early on like we shot because we shoot all the time because that's how that's how we were when i was in high school we would spend a lot of time shooting I don't think a lot of teams spend a lot of time shooting. Like I really don't. And there's not as many flare screens and that kind of thing that we'd see a lot more of. Like we played a team from Tennessee. You, yeah, you, they flared us left and right. It was early in the I was at that one. <laughs> I was oh at that gosh. one. <laughs> that, that girl hit 11 threes or something yeah. like that. Yeah, but, and she had 43 points or something like that. And it was, it was great for our girls to play against because they'd never play against a team that was constantly flaring. Like that's all they were running flares and double staggers and all that. And it was really, it was, it was fun to see for them. Like they needed to see that because it's hard to defend, but they never see it here ever. Like there's never a team we've played that's done that over and over and over again. It's hard to defend, but that's one thing. Like the offense is so much more go, 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 which can be good. There's times when we needed to do that, but we have so many more turnovers because of that style. And towards the end of the year, they, they finally started to understand like, okay, if we got, if it's a one on three, pull back and we can set, we can run something and score. But before, before now, they'd never been told that, you know what I mean? Like that was never even a thought. So that was something I've really noticed and that our girls are doing a really good job of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But next year should be even – I'm really excited, I mean, for the summer and everything else. Yeah. I mean, you're right on the money with all those things that you mentioned. You know, coming down here, I was really surprised on the on the boys' side, especially, of how many teams pressed. And I don't mean like, hey, we're just picking up full-court man. You know, trapping, which is to speed up the game, right? So you're trying to get quick turnovers for scores. But when teams didn't get that – they still tried to take that same mentality to the offensive side when there were no advantages given the situation. Right. So that's when you're talking about, like some people are listening from, you know, Indiana and they're like, what do you mean a kid's going to take it down on a one on three? It's, it's common down here because it's, it's such a fast paced game down here. That's what I try to tell everybody, you know, what, what's the differences that you see between some of the Midwest basketball and down here, the game is so fast. Like kids are just burning rubber up and down which I love that speed, right? If it's a little more controlled given, you know, the time and the situation and things of that nature. But because there's so many teams that press and scramble and trap, I think it can be tough to reverse that in your mind on the offensive side of things when you say, hey, this isn't necessarily the great situation for us to push, push, push. Let's let's pull it back. Let's run something. You You talked about the offense and uh, so that's really big. And the, and the shooting, I think, again, it goes back to the game so fast, right? So you're trying to score in transition. You're trying to get to the rim, get to the rim, get to the rim. And it, it just leaves a lot more to be desired where it's like, if you could just shoot threes and maybe as a team make 33%, you're going to win a lot of games, right? Because other teams are probably shooting in the 20s right? As, as a team percentage, which is very low, as you know. Um, so some of those things were um, definitely different. Have, have you noticed, like, is there something that you've seen down here 
you're like, boy, if I went back to coach in Nebraska, there's something that teams do down here that, man, I would definitely take that and try to implement it up there. Yeah. Watching Mez coach, I have, I mean, there's some things that, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. When I got here, I really didn't want to press at all. Like I hate, I didn't, I didn't like, yeah. I never liked it as a player. I didn't really like it as an assistant. Even when my coaches would want to press, I'd kind of be like, well, the game's going to get, you know, if, if you're the better team, I'm always like, I don't know if you want to go nonstop, you know, unless like make the game go fast, you know, or if you're, even if you're the not better team, I don't know, like sometimes it's better to slow it down. But after watching Mez and how, especially through the summer. And I mean, he's, He's good. I mean, like his practice, he's good. So, I mean, I learned a lot from him and he's a lot more get him going. I mean, like he's, he's going to get him going. And as the season went on, um, we did that a little bit more, especially versus teams where we felt like they would go crazy and speed up. And we were disciplined enough to not, not get in the running game the whole time. Now, if we get a steal and a layup, that's great. But if we get a steal and there's nothing, then we set up. Once we got that down, I felt more comfortable pressing them and wearing them out because we just wear teams out. And that's what Mez does. I mean, he wears teams out, whether he's in his full court man or it's one, two, two or two, two, one, he's going to wear them out. Like that's the goal. So we, that's one thing that I probably would do more of if I went back is I wear you can wear them down. Now you got to have a bench, but you can wear them down. And if you're tougher, you'll win. I mean, which is why Mez, I mean, that's why Mez was second in region this year after he lost 11 seniors. I mean, because mm-hmm. they're, they were tougher and they'd wear teams down. I mean, he had a tough group. Yeah. You, you graduate to state player of the year, another player who's first team all state and you still make the region for our listeners down here. South Carolina is very strange. Only 32 teams make the state tournament. It's crazy. I don't understand. There, there, there's no upsets. Right, because it's just only the best teams get in basically uh, down here. So if you ever see anything on our social media where it says like we worked this 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 team and they were a state qualifier. It's like that's a big deal that they made the state qualifier, because in Michigan, you win a championship if you get to the final 32. That's a that's a district championship in in the state of Michigan. Right. Because you just knocked out one hundred and sixty some teams that are in the in the state tournament from the beginning in each division. So it's a big deal to even make it. And I would agree with you. That's something that I would take if I was like when I get back into coaching is. Thinking about trusting my bench a little bit more. With the wear down factor, because what they would do. Oftentimes, no offense to him, because he, he'd agree, I, I can say this right to him, they're usually the lesser talented team when they would go out on the court. But after the first quarter, you didn't want to play in that game anymore because he's rolling 10 players in, right? They are in your face the entire time. They're helping, they're trapping, they're, they're in your face. And by the time the third and fourth quarter rolls around, they've got you beat because you don't want to play in this basketball game anymore because it's that fist, fast, physical, and tough. And uh, I think that there's different ways to coach that are great, but I think given maybe a certain type of player or team, instead of going seven deep, there's, you know, if you got a coach Mez type team, maybe you go 10, 11 deep. I mean, that's, it's interesting how he coaches for sure. I've learned a lot from him as well. Talk a little bit about shooting. Is there a reason why you think that 
you know, being in Nebraska, being in Iowa, different parts of the Midwest I've, I've been in, you feel like shooting is some, I just felt like shooting is something that everybody does. I think, I'm not sure, but I think, I mean, we would spend, like you said, like summers in Nebraska, we, it would, we'd have, you know, workouts and stuff, but we would have just hours dedicated to shooting. Like that is all we would do. Like, that's it. Just shoot and work on form. And like, that's all we do in the summer. Like a lot of it was just that. So it's like, and here there's just, it's not, it's not very common or it's just go to the gym and jack shots up, but it's not like, they're not spending time working on, you know, one boom, one, two shot, boom, one, two shot. Like it's more, it's off the dribble shooting in the gym or stuff like that. Like, I don't think there's uh, as much attention to detail when they're younger. And I think that might be part of the, part of the thing, like part of the issue is that, and that's something that I've really, I've thought, thought about and talked about. And I, I went and watched some of the elementary kids and I had them come in for a practice after one of our practices. And we were, I was talking to their coaches and it's like going forward, you know, you know, you got to build a program from the bottom up. I mean, that's something that I got to look at is how can I get these kids in the gym more and work on that stuff? And that's the stuff that they're missing and that will separate them a lot in South Carolina. And I think football has a big part to do with it. I think it's a football, it's such a football, football, football state that, you know, basketball is just starting to kind of be, you know, it's starting to kind of, catch up a little bit now, you know, kind of in talking with Mez from the past, like basketball is rising, but it's still like, it's a football state. So like, there just wasn't, there's not as much time put into it. I mean, at the end of the day, I think. The the kids and the programs that can focus on like the, the detail and really tracking something like, did I get better today? I think so. I want to know so, right? Did, when I'm doing a shooting drill, did I beat my time from the day before, right? If I'm taking a certain amount of shots, am I making them at a higher percentage, right? How am I progressing throughout the course of, of the summer? All of these things are, in my mind, essential if we're trying to become and build better shooters. And one thing that isn't as common down here compared to in the Midwest is a lot of schools in the Midwest, at least the ones I've been associated with, they have the, the youth level is part of the school, right? The youth program is part yeah. of the school, right? And so from sixth grade on down, the school has a lot of impact in the type of basketball that those kids are playing at an early age. So by the time they hit seventh grade and they're a part of the school system, they, they could be light years ahead of the school down the road because of the program that they've had in place, right? So you and I, it sounds like, went to a similar sized high school, right? Smaller smaller high school. And when I came back from Europe and I was coaching, I was also director of our youth basketball program. We had, in our first through sixth grade, I mean, we had 100 plus kids involved in our program at a very small school. You do that year after from first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, where our kids aren't involved in, you know, a random rec league, maybe that's, you know, who knows what they're doing there. Like this is kind of from the varsity coach on down 
implementing and saying, hey, these are the skills that we want to make sure we teach. We're teaching very similar drills that can kind of be built throughout the course of the years and advanced as kids get older, made a little more complex and challenging. You start to see a big, big impact. And, well, you know, the background what... for, let me just I'll say that this one thing, last thing, coach, is what happened was for about 20 some years, our school won almost 80% of their games for about a 20 year stretch. And what people don't know, because they, they're, our high school coach was fantastic. We had unbelievable players that came through, lots of college players, things like that. Um, but what people didn't know was we had probably the biggest youth basketball program of any school in our whole area. So by the time those kids got older, they just played more ball. And just as importantly, they understood how to be coached, like actually coached at a very early age. So that when they got in seventh, eighth, ninth grade, it was just plug and play and we build from there. And so that was, that was really helpful. One big difference I've noticed from a lot of schools down here. No, that's it. I mean, like the youth, like that's part of our, our head coach will be with some of the youth kids this summer back home. I mean, like all like, and a decent chunk and he's at youth games and he's at, and he knows the coaches. My, my dad's buddy, Sean, he's a head, he was a head coach in Cincinnati for a while, a few different schools. And he talked about when he got his last job, that he had, it was a big school in Cincinnati, Hamilton, actually where my dad went to high school, but he took the job. And he said, the first thing he did is he's like, he took, he interviewed for every level position for coaches. So JV coaches, freshman coaches, middle school coaches, youth coaches. He's like, he had, he knew who was coaching from elementary all the way up and he ran the leagues, everything. So he knew exactly what was being taught. And he said, over time, by the time he retired, it, you could see a huge difference. I mean, their records slowly improve. I mean, but, and that's what happens when it takes time, you know, but that's, that's what has to happen at the end of the day. What, but it's harder down here just because it seems like there's so, there's so many elementary. There's just so many different elementary schools that kids go to. Like, it's not like one, this elementary school directly connects every time with this high school. It's not like that. There's all there's four different high schools they could go to, or you could go out of dish. Like there's all this different stuff, so it's a little bit harder, I will say, to know exactly who your kids are or what. But I think that stops a lot of coaches from doing anything. I mean, we're my, me and my staff. We're going to change. I mean, we're going to do more, do more youth things, try and get them more involved. And I'm very lucky too. And I didn't say this at the beginning. My varsity assistants are amazing. I mean, like they're. I'm really happy I took Sean, the Cincinnati coach. I took his advice and picked my varsity assistants because he told me, he's like, don't, he's like, it's not on your school. He's like, but if you let them pick, you never know. Like, it might not mesh. And I picked all my varsity assistants and they are phenomenal. Like, I had, I couldn't imagine we would have been as successful without them. So, and they're all in, like I talked about youth stuff and I talk about all this extra stuff and they're all in, you know, they don't want to go, they don't want to rest. Like they're ready to get back at it now. So like, that's kind of a good thing. And that's something we're looking at is how can we get our youth more involved? It's very important to have such a great staff. You have a great staff off the jump, which is, you know, a huge advantage, I think. And to your point, I think a lot of programs really get the ball rolling at the seventh grade level when their school 
program technically takes over and leave it up to some of the local recs to do whatever they're going to do. And there's some good ones and there's some not so good ones. And as you mentioned, they could be going in a million different directions. And so the fact that you have something that you're building that is getting the youth program up and running, that's going to pay off for decades, essentially down the road because of the things that you're building, you'll see those, those results. And I think you also build the excitement of the program, right? You got a longer runway to build the excitement of the program because you're starting at an earlier age. And so as kids age up into seventh grade, ninth grade, you don't have to do quite as much work to get them excited about the game because you've begun that at a, at a younger level saying, listen, we're excited about basketball here. We're excited about you being a part of this. Look at all the awesome stuff that we have going. I look at the great coaches that we have involved, that they care about you. We're going to do this together. And that just starts to get the ball rolling at such an earlier age. And that's how you really build community and a, a program that's built to last, which, which you guys are doing coach. This was, this was awesome, man. Uh, we had a bunch of different connection issues while we're recording this. So it's a little <laughs> choppy at different points. Totally apologize. Um, probably all my fault with some of the connection <laughs> stuff. So I'm sorry about that. Um, but Coach Kingsbury, we've enjoyed working with uh, you, uh, being a part of the Coach's Edge, your players coming out and different things. And no doubt we'll continue to be involved. But great job this year, man. It was fun to, to watch you continue to do your thing. I'm very, very impressed of everything that you have going on. You know, any last words? Well, thank you. And thank, you know, Coach's Edge for everything. I mean, I use, I use that, man. I use the website. I use the, you know, practice plan, all that stuff. And just you and just your brain. But uh, so thank you for all that. And I mean, I'm ha listen, the one thing I can tell you, if you're thinking about getting into coaching is do it. Because I mean, mm -hmm. I love, I love, there's, I tell the girls all the time, there's nothing I love more than getting up every day and only I practice. Like there's, it's, <laughs> it's so fun. Like I love it. I got a really good group and uh, I'm excited, man. I'm already excited. I'm already working on workouts for the off season and everything else. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for you guys. I'm excited for your players, right? And um, yeah, excited for everything these guys have going. So thank you to our listeners for listening to the Coach's Edge podcast. If you know somebody else who might be a young coach, someone who's thinking about getting into coaching, or maybe just wants a, a refresh, this is a great episode. So be sure to you know like, subscribe, rate, review, share this episode out with somebody who you think might find this beneficial. That's what we're trying to do, help you out with the Coach's Edge podcast. Thank you for listening. Coach Kingsbury, thank you. Get after today. Thanks, Steve.